welcome. Please accept this invitation to ponder. What do you think about... I wanted to provide a bonus episode or two this October, kind of like I did last year. And this is the first of this year's installments. Naturally, since it is October, it has a Halloween-related theme. I hope you enjoy it. In late May of 1922, the town of New Philadelphia, Ohio, my hometown, experienced a haunting that was so popular it made the local newspapers. As a matter of fact, the story of the haunting became so voguish that it was also printed in other newspapers throughout the state. The family involved in the incident was that of Harry Wilmer Plotner. Plotner himself was born in Virginia in March of 1891, married to Elizabeth Ella Walker in Martinsburg, West Virginia, in October of 1909. They settled in Ohio, living in Carroll County at the time of the 1920 federal census, and then moved on to New Philadelphia in Tuscross County, Ohio, sometime after that. The first article concerning the haunting appeared in the local Daily Times newspaper on May 23, 1922, and took up quite a bit of the page one real estate, bearing the quirky caption, Paging Conan Doyle, Spirits, Brrr. It seems that in the, quote, staunch old country home of the Civil War period, end quote, a spirit, thought to be that of Dr. Robert Emerson, who had lived in this staunch old country home previously, was communicating with the current residents by leaving messages traced in sand atop a basement shelf. That household was made up of the rentals' residents, the aforementioned Harry Wilmer Plotner family. At the time, Harry Plotner was a 32-year-old employee of the local American Sheet and Tin Plate Company. The manner in which the messages were transcribed, at least as it was described in the news item, was odd. The entrance of the disembodied spirit is attended by shiver music of the old shelf, which strains and tugs at its fence-wire moorings before it commits its will to the sand. After the nerves of the Plotner family have been lashed sufficiently to fit them for another message, the swing comes to rest. The family then traces another communication in the sand, or a drawing, or an imprint. The charry old ghost does not always commit itself to writing. One of these messages commanded Plotner to dig, as we'll see later. So, how did this weirdness begin? The article claims the haunting began as follows. The restless old pile of bones became communicative about a month ago. The shelf in the cellar, which had served quietly its purpose of bearing the buttermilk crocks, became restless at about that time. The family's peace of mind was disturbed by the squeaking of the wire that held it. Rats, said fellow workmen of Plotner at the mill. Their advice was to sprinkle sand on the board, which is four feet long and a foot and a half wide. Then he would see rat and mouse tracks accounting for the swinging shelf. A week ago last Sunday, Plotner sifted sand as directed 
on the board to the thickness of an eighth of an inch. I have to admit, I would be pretty freaking freaked if, from out of nowhere, a shelf in my cellar started jumping and bumping enough to make the wire holding it squeal. Actually, I would be pretty freaking freaked if a shelf anywhere in my home started a noticeable jumping and bumping for no visible reason. I mean, Ohio, while it does periodically experience tremors, is not prone to earthquakes. I don't know that a haunting would be my initial impression, but I can fucking guarantee that the thought would cross my mind. That's just my nature. The article continues with the following information. His tablet all set for a message, the ghost let go last Wednesday. His first appearance was accompanied by picture drawing, a thigh bone, a crude attempt to draw a picture of his own skull, and the rough outline of a treasure chest such as are seen in the pages of Captain Kidd's stories were the first. Then he called it a day, and on Wednesday resumed. This time, he drew a better picture of a skull. He traced a miniature outline of an old-fashioned spade in the sand, and with his sharp index digit, traced a line in the sand to the edge of the board where he drew an arrow. Directly under the board in the dirt floor of the cellar is the burial place, Blotner believes, of the treasure. Thursday's program was ushered in by the shelf overture, the old fence wire being the only musical strings handy for the old ghost to smite. That Thursday, the Phantom was full of piss and vinegar and itching to get his message across the veil to the land of the living. That day, Plotner went to visit his cousin Jerry on the south side of New Philadelphia. While he was out, his wife noticed a milky froth bubbling in a pool of water released by a backed-up drain pipe. When he returned home, his wife showed him the latest development. Plotner noticed the word dog written in the sand of the talking shelf. Just then, the shelf began to swing and auto-corrected itself, kind of like an etch-a-sketch and printed the word DIG according to what appeared to be. Just then, the shelf began to swing and auto-corrected itself, kind of like an etch-a-sketch, I guess, correcting the message to read DIG, adding what appeared to be pictures of two coins below the revised message. This time, the ghost added the initials HWP presumably indicating that Harry Wilmer Plotner should do the digging. Supposedly, if the article's contents are to be believed, the ghost also drew the following in the sand, an old-fashioned shoe buckle, a shoe, and a bottle. Friday, while Plotner continued his excavation, the ghost scribbled a cautionary warning of steady... Plotner dug until 4.45 p.m., at which time he had to go milk the cows. While he was out, the ghost wrote, Stop! Cordelia, Plotner's foster daughter, called him back from the barn to show him the new command. The ghost then added, Fill up the hole. Thanks. These were allegedly followed by the admonition, You go fast. I said steady. 
Evidently pissed off by Plotner's ignoring his instruction, the ghost continued with, I won't bother you any more. Then added, You're safe. Plotner did fill the hole and held off continuing his treasure hunt, pending further spectral instruction. The next day's edition of the newspaper contained a story that claimed an individual named Frank G. Fribley of New Philadelphia was in the basement of the haunted house on Monday, at which time he shook the shelf, spilling some of its sand on the floor. Following this outburst by Fribley, the spook in the cellar of the old house spelled out in the remaining sand, Oh, Frank. However, the message was traced after Frank had departed. In the same article, it was stated that L.E. Fribley, owner of the farm and father of the aforementioned Frank Fribley, declared on Wednesday that the Plotners would have to vacate the premises unless they quit with the ghost shenanigans. By Friday, May 26, something must have changed in the house, because the story in the paper that day read as follows. Harry Plotner and his family are not spending the nights at their home in the Emerson Farm in Hummel's Valley, on account of the ghost scare there. They are sleeping at the home of his uncle in 7th Street. The family returns to the farm in the morning, remaining there until evening. This is strange because at no point previously had the family mentioned that they were afraid of the haunting. At least no mention was made in the two previously printed articles. I guess just living in a haunted house is frightening enough, but if the ghost isn't malicious, where's the harm? My thought on the subject is this. If the ghost ain't a fuckhead, he can fucking stay. Before we continue... Let me scare up a commercial about Anchor Podcasting. We are back. This story was still in the news the next week. How do I know this? Because another news item hit page one of the New Philadelphia Daily Times on Tuesday, May 30th, 1922. However, by this time, people had stopped to think a little bit about the phenomenon and a new postulation was floating in the piece entitled, New Ghost Theory is Advanced. Foster Daughter Believed Responsible. Excerpts read as follows. Suspicion of Miss Cordelia Frances Butts, 16, foster daughter of Mr. and Mrs. Harry Wilmer Plotner, tenants on the farm of Ellie Fribley in Hummel's Valley, as the mastermind in the ghost mysteries of that farm continues to grow. The girl stoutly maintains she knows nothing about the messages on the swinging shelf in the cellar. Her foster parents deny that she had any part in it or could account for the words and symbols traced in the sand on the shelf. It is not unlikely that officers may question the girl to settle for once and all the mystery, if there is any, about the supposed spirit messages. Fred Charles, a staff writer on the Cleveland Plain Dealer, and Joseph Guitardi, the city, kept a night watch on the farm, reporting no developments Tuesday morning. Cordelia is a bright girl of comely appearance. 
Neighborhood Suspicion credits her with an ambition to leave the farm and have her parents removed to a city. She was graduated two years ago from the 8th grade of the Malvern Public Schools. A separate newspaper, the Lima Republican Gazette, published in Lima, Ohio, also ran a page one story concerning the ghost on May 30th. A party of watchers is keeping vigil tonight at the old Dr. Robert Morrison homestead in an effort to hold communication with the Ghost of Hummel Valley, which drove Harry W. Plotner and his family from the farm. Supplied with candles and some crackers and cheese for a midnight lunch, the watchers arrived at the homestead about sundown. The ghost has scrawled in the dust on a hanging shelf in the basement alluring tales of buried treasures and has haunted the old two-story farmhouse with various manifestations of an unseen presence. So far, however, the ghost has not been seen by any human eye. The next day, the Dayton Evening Herald broke the news that the federal government had become aware of and was going to investigate the Hummel's Valley Ghost. This short article reads, The ghost of Hummel's Valley has interested the government of the United States. Word was received here today by Police Chief J.L. Espich that the government has dispatched a research expert from Washington to New Philadelphia to conduct a formal inquiry into the mystery that is perturbing the entire community. It is definitely understood that among those the federal agent intends calling upon is Miss Cordelia Frances Butts, 16-year-old foster daughter of Harry W. Plotner, tenant of the Fribley Farmhouse, where the ghost has appeared. It may be that the thought that a federal agent of some sort was going to investigate these claims put more fear into Plotner than the ghost itself, or there may have been some other explanation. But, whatever it was, the issue of the haunting was solved immediately thereafter as reported in the June 1st edition of the Daily Times. That article reads, The ghost that is said to have walked in the cellar of the old Dr. Robert Emerson homestead in Hummel's Valley has been laid, and Harry Wilmer Plotner, 32, the tenant of the farm, has signified his willingness to settle down and plow corn, forgetting the ghost and ceasing to talk about it. Ellie Fribley, West Fair Street, owner of the farm, stated Wednesday evening that four neighbors of Plotner have signified their willingness that Plotner's request to remain on the farm should be granted. Plotner and his family are nice people and good neighbors, they told Fribley and it would be better for him to remain. Fribley, however, will expect an assurance from Plotner that he will not fritter away his time studying and talking about ghosts. He also expects Plotner to keep the farm clean and in order. Plotner has failed to plow his corn ground in the old orchard in the rear of the house, said Fribley, who attributes it to the excitement attending the ghost discussion. Plotner expects to plow the ground this week and to plant field corn and potatoes. Plotner has a flourishing garden in another field given to him by Fribley. The family carefully has tended to the garden, 
Plotner and his family, for eight days, have been spending their nights at the home of B.F. Plotner, an uncle on South 7th Street, going to the farm in the daytime. In a somewhat anticlimactic conclusion to the haunting, Plotner, for his part, appears to have been true to his word and stopped talking about the spirit and its messages because the articles concerning the Hummels Valley ghost end there. Unfortunately, there is no explanation of the findings of the quote-unquote research expert sent to New Philadelphia from Washington, D.C. Wouldn't that just be the shit if such a thing ever really happened? Just which fucking department of the U.S. government is interested in hauntings in a podunk little burg like New Philadelphia? I can't help but wonder just what pressure Fribley actually put on Plotner to force his acquiescence. Surely there were other places for the family to move to to rent or lease in the area. But then maybe no other local landlords would rent to the Plotner family for fear that similar unwanted attention would be drawn to their property. At some point, the Plotner family did move off the farm. The 1940 federal census lists Harry and his spouse as living in Bolivar, Ohio. Elizabeth Plotner died in 1947. The 1950 census lists Harry as a member of his cousin's household in Canton, Ohio. Harry passed away on July 22, 1968. Both Harry and his wife Elizabeth are buried at the Fort Lawrence Cemetery in Bolivar, Ohio. I didn't see anything to indicate that Plotner experienced hauntings in any of his residences subsequent to his sojourn in New Philadelphia. This has been What Do You Think About? Our theme music, In Suspense, is provided by PodSummit.com. Thanks to all you listeners. Please take the time to rate our podcast on your favorite listening platform if it allows you to do so. Write us a note via WDOUTA at gmail.com or go to the website anchor.fm forward slash WDOUTA and leave us a voice message and we'll play it on the next episode. Or just visit our Facebook page, anchor.fm forward slash WDOUTA for updates on releases. And don't forget, as I mentioned in the last Dark Week message, our podcast is quickly drawing to an end. We expect the last episode to be aired in late November. Thank you to everyone who has given us a listen. Copyright 2022 by John Gordos and Jim Dumerman.